morning, evening, and afternoon to all of our listeners. We want to take a second to thank you guys for joining us on today's episode. No matter how you're listening, we're grateful that you guys are here, and we want you to know that our podcast is on multiple platforms, and if you can give us a like, a follow, or a subscription, all of that helps get this podcast out to more and more folks, because that's what we want to do. And if you all like this content, please consider giving us some stars and write us a review as well. All that interaction helps us, as well as other listeners, concerning the content of this channel. Well, welcome, listeners, to another riveting episode of Beyond the Row. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you are a part of this BTR community, and we got some announcements going. Egg announcements? Egg announcements. Maybe that's a little Easter promo there. <laughs> that was not intentional. <laughs> this, is, uh, this, this episode is brought to you by 5-Hour Energy. Oh, oh no. My gosh. Nate's about to rip one of these. I totally recommend you take these beasts. I've never taken one of those. <laughs> what is the percentage of B12 or B6 in, in, in that little shot? I don't know. It's 1.93 fluid ounces. Look There's at the nutrition. 200 milligrams of caffeine. Oh, that's light. Yeah, it's like 12 ounces of like, what is it called? Pure coffee. Yeah, but if you look at the nutrition label, it should say like 6,000% of the daily dose or something. <laughs> It, it, That's is it one on of those there? like weirdly weird things. It's about it's yeah. I don't even know. It says it's based on a two thousand calorie diet. Man, but I don't even think there's any calories, is there? This should be calorie free. I'm telling you what, the five hour energy has saved my life at times. Like there was this moment when I was a youth pastor, I was struggling. We were I was with my youth team, and we were dreaming about some upcoming things. Like we were planning out. Um, this was in like January, February. And we we're planning out our summer and everything that we're getting ready to do, and I was struggling. I mean, I was struggling, and I have ne- I don't drink energy drinks. I never have. And my admin goes, "Let me get you five hour energy." I'm like, "Ah, that stuff don't work. It's not gonna work on me." She's like, "That's fine." So I mean, but I was struggling. I was I was trying to stay awake, and I'm and I'm up on the whiteboard, and I I didn't realize it, but like a half an hour later, I was like. Just like let's do this and let's do this and let's do wired. this, and they all started Absolutely laughing. Wired. Yeah. And I'm like, "What are you guys laughing about? Like, we're just like I didn't say anything funny." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "You're awake, man." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I am. Like, let's go." <laughs> I I took those a few times when I was working um, at at uh, my job with dad, um, sitting at the desk and stuff, staring at a screen. You get so tired. Uh, I never, I never like went crazy with it. Like I never, I didn't get into monsters and I didn't get into mm. like the carbonated ones. Yeah. But I used to take the five hours quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. The grape. That's what I'm doing. At least once right or now. twice a week, probably. It's pretty good. Oh, it says 230 milligrams of caffeine. It's pretty good. I well, used to be a massive Great. energy drink drinker. Uh, never a five hour energy drinker though. So. Sugar free though. Yeah. <clears throat> it just has artificial sweetener. Hey. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I would just like to point out we had the least amount of. Uh, listeners ever had last week when we took like 10 minutes to get into the actual <laughs> podcast so i feel I, like i highly doubt that's what it was well are you trying to say it's plus i don't else? think i don't know if we it's been. actually because evie started listening to music at night and not the podcast oh, darn it <laughs> we lost evie no Sorry, that's not evie. the reason why but i mean i don't know yeah so uh the only thing coming up um like we have a lot of things coming up in march and we'll communicate that here soon not today is this Sunday is our Avenue Partnership class. It's the last of the first four we've done. So, um, and this one I highly recommend, again, to everyone, um, because we're going through the five values that we expect all followers to really have, and they go in order on purpose. Um, And then uh, to kind of talk about, like, are you all in? And um, 
And then at the end of the class, we have a gift for everybody who goes to the class as well. Is the gift a surprise? It's a surprise. Okay. If you're an OG, you know the gift. Yeah, you do. Do they attend all four to get the gift? No, you just have to do that class. Oh, cheat code. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just that class. Okay. So, um, and the other one is the rummage sale. Again, this is for ASM Ministries. It's going to help students to go on trips and other events that they have during the summer. And um, you can start bringing that stuff in on March 1st. And do they have to contact anybody? Yeah, I believe it's supposed to be Michelle or Juwan. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's Michelle at Church on the Ave, and then uh, Juwan's email, I can tell you. Because this is the where, like, if you schedule these dates, then we'll put them in certain specific spots, uh, because we're running out of space in this church, which yes. is a great problem. Yes. Uh, but it is yeah, a problem. It looks like it looks like Michelle is going to be, is the main point of contact. Michelle, so Michelle okay. at Church on the Ave. Michelle at Church on the Ave.com, and we'll get you situated. So please, please bring in all your junk, because someone's junk is someone else's treasure. Mm-hmm. And that will help raise money for them. But if it's like broken or so beyond repair that it's trash, dirty, just throw it away. Yeah, if it's like really bad, don't, you know, basically like if Volunteers in America or something like that (laughs) wouldn't take it, or if you wouldn't sell it in a garage sale, you know, probably don't bring it. Because this is a blessing to the community because folks do come here looking for things for Yeah, like to get things even cheaper than if you went to Mm -hmm. Volunteers in America. Because we don't put numbers on it. Like we just give them the opportunity, just whatever you'd like to donate. Yeah, it's a donation. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a way to make a difference. And Liz and I have already been purging as well, so we're going to be bringing things. There's been a few people who've actually told me uh, that they have like, they've started collecting. They have like, you know, like their table or whatever. They have like a box or a bin, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, too. we're going to get re- giving you guys a lot of stuff too. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so this past Sunday, it was Bill. Um, I've, the last two weeks, uh, Abe did a great job. Bill was this week, and um, and he, he he was a little, excuse me. I can't, I was starting to like fumble over my well, words. Well, that's the caffeine shot. That <laughs> yeah, probably just Yeah, he's, uh, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> he's about to start talk the show. The Funhouse Mirror. Um, that was the, 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 uh, <laughs> The uh, kind of the discipline thought process, the big idea um, is the funhouse mirrors, like going to the carnival and. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, that's that was, not that was, that was that yours. Was mine. It's the oversized gift. You're good. Yeah, goodness. Man, gracious. this caffeine shot. It is. What did it do the to this? The oversized guy? gift. Jeez. Can't focus. So um, I'm just curious what have you guys ever received a gift that you will always remember? Yes. It, it could be from anything at yes. any time. And um, there should be no surprise. Yeah. My very first guitar. I will never forget it. Um, I remember my my older sister um, had this boyfriend that was a musician. He was this greasy-haired, tattooed-up guitar player, <laughs> just a sleazeball. And I was so envious. How old were you at this time? I would have been like, I was probably 14. Oh, okay. You know, um, and I just wanted to be him so bad. Yeah. You know? And um, um, he played guitar. And I remember after he came to the house a few times with his guitar, I remember telling my parents I wanted a guitar for Christmas. Yeah. And then that Christmas I got a guitar, and then that was the gift that just kick-started probably the rest of my life, at least a lot oh, of other sure. big things that happened in my life. I'll know? say this, Nick. Being in the mega church, right, that... You could pretty much go anywhere you wanted to go. What do you mean? At least as playing a guitar. Oh, like an instrumentalist? Yep. Well, thank you, man. Yep. Nate's saying that you could go be on staff as just a guitarist at Elevation Church. You could. (laughs) Those guys are so good. So David And they make good money. David David Hislop is uh, one of the guys' names, and I follow all his stuff. 
and he is phenomenal in the PNW world as far yeah. as guitar players go. Yep. Yeah. But I surround myself with it nonstop, like literally. Yeah. Like, you totally could go anywhere, which is. Shh. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying though. <laughs> um, it's just great. Like I just, I, I've been around that. I've seen it. Uh, in fact, there's some guys I know on staffs that I've been a part of that I would say you're better than. So, so kudos to Dang. 14-year-old Nick's gift. Being jealous over a, a grease ball. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out the parents who got that dude oh, that's great. signed up. What about you, Abram Cunningham? Um, dude, I'm not going to lie. I think, in my opinion, probably when me and my brother got a PS2. Ooh. Yep. I think that was probably that's the, the greatest best. gift. Well, I feel seen. like I feel like it is because like I feel like I've gotten other great so you're gifts. You're saying Zarish is not. The well, greatest. that's not. Come on, dude. <laughs> or Jesus. I you said I wasn't allowed to say Jesus, <laughs> and then so I guess I just assumed that as well. But uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I feel like it's a PS2. We also got a PS3, um, but the PS3 was awesome. But the PS2 just was nostalgic. We were yep. young, and mm-hmm. you know, we played Madden 08. We played the heck out of Madden 08. Yeah. Wasn't was the amazing. PS2 the first second gen console? I or did think, 360 well, no, Nintendo, first. because Nintendo had the, the 64 and then the 85. Man, I loved the 64. That was when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah, so Nintendo, I guess, probably was the first. But I had the I had the original PlayStation. Yeah. Like, I was that yeah, old. I still got one at Mom's house. Do you really? That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I only played – I never owned it. I only played the original PlayStation. I remember mm-hmm. playing Pokemon on PS1. Oh, fun. Yeah. It's the crazy. first thing I bought with one of my first paychecks for myself – kind of a gift, was the Xbox 360. So ah, I had the PlayStation classic. 1, PlayStation 2, and then with my big boy paycheck yep. for my first job, bought a 360. Yeah, I remember when the Xbox came out, we are like, this is cool. Yeah. And yep. then eventually, I'm so old now, I'm like, I don't even know what we're on anymore. Yeah, I don't I don't follow the <laughs> Xboxes because they're like Xbox Series X. And then the next year was like Xbox confusing. X Series. And then it was like, what is happening? They're just, yeah. it's weird. And like PlayStation is just easy. It's like, you know, PS5. Yeah, I don't even know. Nice. But uh, you know, anyways, that's cool. That's probably mine. Yeah, I think I think it was the best, not only because it was PS2, but me and my brother played it like nonstop. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm sure I have other gifts in there, but the one I remember most, you know, it's like, uh, what's that movie? Uh, your core memory. It's like a Pixar movie. In, is it um, Inside it's, Out? Is that it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's With right. Tina yep. Fey and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a cute little movie. And they're like, this is a core memory. So this must have been a core memory for me. Um, so I was 15 years old. It's Christmas Day, and um, I don't turn 16, you know, for another four months. And I, this year, like, we always get up early for Christmas um, because to us, you know, it's like this is the coolest Santa had come, and you know, we weren't At really 15. You thought Santa was coming? No, no, no. But like, <laughs> oh we, man. But in <laughs> yikes, dude. That's pretty good. I was about to say. <laughs> but in our house, though, we had to feel like, oh, Santa came because mom and dad wanted that, you know, like. I don't know if it's just their tradition. And Jesus wasn't really all that important yet. Actually, it was becoming pretty pretty important to me at this point, but not yet, right? And um, so anyways, that Christmas gets up. My mom got up. I was like, that's shocker, because usually we had to wake him up. And so my mom got up, sit down, and she's like, okay, well, you know, we have to get things out. You know, Can we get the coffee on? Uh, like, yeah, I'll help you. That's no problem. Yeah. All in all, to find out the reason she got up was because she didn't want me to, to see the gift yet. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so we do all our gifts, and then my dad goes, Nate, would you, wait a minute. 
And I didn't get very many gifts at Christmas. So, you know, I grew up in the household where you get a lot of gifts because materialistic is the way that they loved us. And, you know, so it was always about how much gifts they have. They go into debt for that stuff. It's just stupid. But anyways, <laughs> love you, mom and dad. But um, <laughs> They'll probably uh, never hear it. So. Yeah, they'll never hear it. So I, um, so I remember I didn't have very many gifts at Christmas. But again, I, I'm starting to grow. I'm starting to, you know, I'm thinking about becoming a Christian, all these things. So... Um, I was a little disappointed, but I'm like, you know, these are things you do if you want to become a Christian. You know, I was really trying to tell myself this. And dad goes, did you get my gift? I'm like, oh, no, because my dad always gets us a gift. And um, my brother and I a gift. Um, he's like, oh, well, let me go get it. So he goes and gets it. And he brings it back. And it's this little box. And I'm thinking, did you get me a stinking ring or something? like?" Because my dad's really into all that stuff, like rings and necklaces and bracelets. I don't, I don't get into that. Junk. Yeah, you're like, uh... Yeah. So I'm like, oh, great, thanks, Dad. So I open it, and and then and then when I opened the, the box that was in a ring box, mm-hmm. there was a key. Mm. So then I go to the window, and then there it is. There's this, and now here's so this is in 2000. Let's see, I gotta think here because my age. Oh, so, so this was the year. No, this was 1999. Getting ready to hit 2000. I was 10. <laughs> Yeah. I was in my mother's womb <laughs> in 1999. Oh, <laughs> I was in mom's womb in '99. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! Yeah, so this is 1999, almost 2000, and um, I go to the window. There it is. It's a 1989 hey. <laughs> Chevy 1500 single cab. Okay, so my dad That's had, nice. My dad and I had seen this truck like a month prior. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, some dude was just put in his yard and, and yeah. things like that. My dad always said that he would go in half on whatever it was. So anyways, I don't remember how that worked. Or maybe they just bought it, which is – I can't believe that, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was so excited. So when I turned 16 years old, I had, I had a vehicle. And uh, – so it had a long bed, you know, mm-hmm. who cares? It was a truck. It's rear-wheel drive, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still excited. I'm 16 years old, right? Um, that was the greatest gift because it had a big bow on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was ecstatic. Okay. Here's how the story turns, though. Um, so I also grew up in a household, though, that you have to work and you have to pay your bills. So I, I had to make sure that I paid my gas. I had to pay for the insurance. Um and uh, as long as I do those things, I'm okay, right? So baseball season starts, so now I'm a big baseball player. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a job. And dad goes, insurance is coming. I need you to pay the insurance. I'm like, dad, I don't have a job. You don't have a job. You don't have a truck. Wow. So <laughs> I, th- you know, I thought I'd call his bluff. Yeah. And by May, there was a for sale sign on that truck. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> did, did it sell or did you get the money in time? Yeah, no, it's, he sold it. Man. So that's I didn't have a car. Crazy, dude. <laughs> no, he did say he'd go in with me on half on the next one, but mm-hmm. not until I actually had a job. So I got a job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so wow. wild. Oh, the greatest gift was taken away. It was taken yeah. away. But so for a moment, it was like, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. Uh, but, anyways, so, so. The idea of the oversized gift, right? The, the, the gift becomes bigger than us. So like the big idea for this past Sunday was leaders are often gifted. And I would argue every Christian is gifted, right? Scripture mm-hmm. teaches us that. 
So every Christian, in my opinion, is a leader at some point. You're either leading one person, you're leading five people, you're leading 10 people, you're leading 50 people, you're leading 100, and so on, right? Um, they can begin to depend on their gift for success to the neglect, though, of their character. And we see this often in this world. Leaders sabotage themselves when their gift is bigger than they are. So I, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on that idea? Um, and ha- do you have any experience on this when it comes to um, you've seen you've seen people with these gifts, or you've had a gift, and then all of a sudden the gift or the strength of that person became bigger than they are, and they sacrifice their character. You sacrifice your character because you're so gifted with this or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, especially a few years ago, um, I would get really, really cocky with, with like just playing music in general. And um, I, remember, I remember many Sundays that just fell apart um, because I didn't make time to practice. I thought I could handle it. You know, I didn't put the right... My, my head was in the wrong frame of mind, you know, uh, I mean, fill in the blank with whatever. I, I just relied on my own talent rather than giving it the right time that it needed or even asking God, what do you want me to do with this service? You know, what are you, what songs do you want us to play? You know, rather than just try and pick the biggest, hottest moving things that's got the craziest gu- guitar part that I could play <laughs> and then like a try and like I nail it at practice and whatever and then Sunday morning would come and... You know, I just <laughs> totally, yeah. totally just fluff it up and then yeah. just be standing there being like, wow, <laughs> humbled and I missed it. And, um, you know, and I learned a lot from that kind of stuff. And now it's like now I don't even like doing too many leads and things like that in yeah. church because that's not what church is about, you know, at least in, in, in a worship setting and worship environment. So and I, I think I think a lot of worship leaders probably share that story mm-hmm. and um you know, I'm, I don't think, I, I think I'm definitely not alone in that category. Yeah. I, I've definitely seen um, a lot of charismatic leaders out there who have, um, like, what people see, they're like really, um, like, they love them. I mean, this is why people can get behind political leaders um, or like big time uh, pastors. Um, uh, speakers, um, musicians, like, uh, um, like, uh, how do I say, um, like singers, um, depending on your genre of music or whatever. Yeah, artists. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you sit there and you just listen and you, and you, you follow these individuals, you follow these people. And then all of a sudden, like it comes out that something was going on behind the scenes and you're just like, what? Oh, like a scandal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never would imagine this. Yeah. Well, it's because these individuals are so focused on what they're good at that they sacrifice who they should be in order for fame or for a following or money to help them to get to where they want to be. And then they struggle behind the scenes with, say, something. You know, they're liars. Uh, they leave a double life. Tiger Woods, like, that's a great example. Um, yeah. Uh, again, anybody kind of in the spotlight, but you also see this in the Christian world as well, mm-hmm. um, or, or even in local communities. Because if you go around in this community, I bet you all of us here could think of 
it could be Finley for you. It's you know the Mansfield, Ontario place, and you can sit here and name names. And these names are kind of well known in the community, and yet you found out that something happened behind the scenes, or something was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, because we have sacrificed character because our gifts are so strong, and we let our gifts get us to a part where we, um, we'll make more money, uh, or we can start living a lifestyle that we've been wanting to live. And but in order to get there, though, you've had to sacrifice things along the way and allow your gift to carry you instead of your personality to carry you, or um, your faith to carry you there along the way. Um, I mean, and that's the that's the travesty. Like that's why people struggle with Christianity, is because there's these pastors out there who have done a lot of, or I mean, here, here's the reality. Like it. Uh, um, I want to be careful here because, again, I don't want to challenge this idea. But, like, for example, pastors. Um, even pastors that don't take a salary from a church. Um, they lead a church or something like that. Joel Steens, the Stephen Furtick's, the, and they have these multi, multi, multi-million dollar homes. Now, on one hand, some some of these pastors live in communities where, I mean, that's all you can afford. Um which just sounds crazy to me. Like right now, uh, what's his name? Um, oh shoot, I can't remember his name. He's big into missions and the mission field and sharing the gospel around the world and poverty and all kinds of stuff. Oh, David Platt. So David Platt now is a senior pastor of the McLean McLean, I think it's what it's called, Bible Church in Washington D.C. Well, his church and his community live in the part of that area that he just bought a million-dollar home. But the home in itself in places like this would be $300,000, dollars Does that make sense? Okay. So, right. But they're like, they're chastised. Relative to his... It's relative. So that's why I have to be careful. But some of these, like pastors, like they have these huge places, these huge buildings, these huge houses, this a huge acreage and stuff like that because of all the royalties and things I've made from books and speaking and all kinds of things. But my, my struggle is that, okay, is that a sin? I don't know, right? Because sin is relative as well. And, and you serve people who are super poor. Like there are super poor people in your church. Now you may not take an income from your church, but you're living in luxury, man. Like, would Jesus do that? And so, so these are the things you have to ask yourself the question, okay, well, Jesus didn't own anything, you know, and some of, you know, we live in the north, you know, it's going to snow and it's going to be cold. And I, I get all that, but I wonder if like, maybe sometimes are we going too far though on the side of like, we've let our gifts and our strengths and abilities to get us to a part where we want to live this way. And then the other question is, is like, but are we, are we living too much in this and not enough in generosity and giving, living out like the Acts Church model? And they sure they would sell everything, give to the poor, and they would give to each other to take care of one another. And mm-hmm. you know, that's just how the world sees it. But then but then the world sees like, oh, look at this pastor. He's living in this two million dollar home. And I mean, it's gigantic. I mean, is that that those are the things you just struggle with that they think that. In those moments, they sacrifice their character 
in order to get the things that they want. And these are these are Christians. Mm-hmm. But I don't again. I don't want to throw pastors into this. There's a lot of Christians in our churches who do the same thing. Um, and then you have to sit here and think about like how much how much have we done a disservice to the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, because we've allowed our gifts and our strengths and our abilities to get us to a part where man, we are making a ton of money, but we're not really generous. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Time, to, talents, or treasures. You have to. I think you have to. Even if you do get to a point where you are making crazy money, right? Like, excuse me, <clears throat> sick season. I guess that's the way it is. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's like when you get to a, a time where you are making crazy money like that. I think that's when you have to get to like percentages and start to realize, you yeah. know, it's like, okay, well, if you weren't living generously, you will never live generously. Yeah. Like if you don't start doing that just because you make more money, you're not going to just start living generously. Yeah. So I think that's really important. I definitely think that, yeah, if you're living, I would kind of view it like this. Like if you're living better in a percentage wise, like if you're, if your house is better than 90% of the community that you serve as, as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. I'd struggle with that. Yeah. Like, that, that to me doesn't, you know what I mean? Doesn't, yeah. It's like, eh, I don't yeah. really know. I don't really get that. Yeah, and I, again, these are the things that I think that we have to think through. Um, I mean, this is hard. Um, but God has given you gifts and, and, and talents for a reason, but they aren't, they aren't to benefit you. They are to benefit others, and they are to help others. And, um, and I think that's the detriment of... Again, I gotta be careful, but that's what gives Christianity and Jesus a black eye. Yeah, and we're same now, thing. Yeah, God can defend Himself. I'm not saying that. It's just, um, I think so many of us, if we're not careful, we depend so much on what we've done and how hard we've worked, knowing that God can take that away at any moment. Mm-hmm. Like that gift and ability to you, great, awesome. Praise God for it. Um. But he can take that away at any moment. Does if he does, then do you blame him and do you walk away from him, or do you recognize everything that you've received thus far has been a blessing or a gift? Mm-hmm. But have you used that blessing or gift for the benefit of others? And um, are you still going to praise his name even if you no longer have that gift? Mm-hmm. You know, is your purpose wrapped up in that ability, or is your purpose wrapped up in Christ? Yeah, it's basically like is your identity, is your identity in what you're capable of doing? Yeah, you know, like if you're known as, you know, like it'd be like if you meet um, Billy Graham or something like that. Like, are you known as just what you're able to do, or are you known as, hey, this is Bill? Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's the I think that's kind of the mentality of are you known as an individual who who just is an individual, someone who just follows Jesus, or are you known as? Only, and I'm not saying that it'd be bad if you're known as somebody who does great things, but you know, it's kind of that thing. Yeah. It's like, if, is, is this who you are or is this what, is this something that you're, you're doing for the betterment of, yeah. of God's church? I think it comes from conviction too, because you don't have to live in a million dollar home to feel convicted about the things that you own. You know, like if that's what the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you about and wanting a change in your life about, mm. you know, it might just be just, um, how to be more generous in general, you know, rather than just oh I gotta sell my home. You know that right, might yeah. that that might not be it, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. it might be. Do I need 
do I need to have, does our family of three need to have three cars, you know? (laughs) Maybe my wife and I could share a car for a little bit or like... Maybe Tell there's someone in, in in the community that I know doesn't have a car that we we could just loan them our car for a while, you yeah. know, or it's like, yeah, stuff like that. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I have some examples of people like who do do that well, and I'm gonna share that eventually. But like, so so Sunday he was he referenced Psalm 15, <laughs> and um, so Psalm 15 one two says uh, this is this is a psalm that David wrote, and he says, "Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord?" Who may enter your presence on your holy hill, um, which is Mount Moriah? That's that's what I was referring to. Which funny story? Just to, this is a rabbit I'm chasing. Uh, Mount Moriah is where everything has taken place in the scripture, which is hilarious to me. I, I never really thought about that until about a few months ago, and I was watching a documentary and they were sharing some things, and then I'm just like putting two and two together. I'm like, oh my goodness. I didn't even think about that. So Mount Moriah is where Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him. And then God prov- provided a ram, right? So then later on, this also became the same mountain where King Solomon built the first temple. Mm. Then it became um then it became and it was destroyed and it also became the same mountain that the second temple was built on. <laughs> Um, same mountain. So just think about the history here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jesus was, um, that's where he goes into the temple and he goes all crazy. And then he was crucified, just an arm's throw away from that spot. And then later on, um, I can't remember what, there was something else that went up there that was not, um, it had something to do with Rome and things like that. And then eventually that's where the Dome of the Rock was built too. It was on Mount Moriah right there. Hmm. Isn't that insane? Yeah. All that happened on the same mountain. Um, anyways, I got yeah. off track there. So, uh, the, but this is, you think about King David and what he's talking about. This all happened here. Uh, who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Okay, so, so the question real quick is, who can spend time in God's presence? And who is able to be intimate with God? Right? It tells us mm-hmm. people who have integrity, who do right, and are truthful. Okay, so notice he said nothing about having lots of talent or being very smart. That's true. So what does that tell us about God? He shames the wise. <laughs> you know. Sure. Like if you get full of yourself, if you're relying on your own abilities, then you know he can take it away, like you said. Or yeah. he's going to bring someone up that knows nothing, like that lonely shepherd boy who turned into King David. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think that's the thing that we got to really consider is that the point isn't your gift. The point isn't my strength. The point, like, for example, like, if we had to sit here and think about, like, when, when we think about just, like, kind of our ministry right now, you know, and I'm the one up there standing on the stage on Sunday mornings or throughout the week and talking, like, I'm the mouth of the ministry. Um, what happens if I am so focused on my speaking that I neglect everything else that's a part of the body of Christ? So those who are behind the scenes, like those who are a hand, and those who are the feet, and those who are the knee, 
you know, and if I neglect Jesus, who's the head, and uh, and I and I neglect, you know, the waist and the chest, you know, I know that sounds silly, but when you think about all those things, if I only focus on my gift, then I do not pay attention to those around us, and then therefore, eventually, there's going to be some kind of failure with either either me morally or there's going to be some kind of failure within the body of Christ that I have not cared about because I'm so focused on my gift. Um, in that moment, I've not realized those who lead blameless lives uh, and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. I haven't done that. Mm-hmm. So my gift or our gifts and our strengths still, in a sense, have to take a backseat to humility and integrity. Um, Understanding the point of what it is to actually follow Jesus and to be a part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like um, just a constant check of yourself that, you know, before you get up on that platform, any of us, you know, to make sure you're right, you know, ask ask God, Lord, see if there's any... Um, blame or guilty stain that I'm still walking with, if there's some relationship I have to mend still. Um, you know, I, you've, you and Liz have both brought this up um, before we take communion, you know, settle disagreements, settle disputes, make sure you're good before you take com- com- right. communion. It's, it's kind of the same practice, but don't wait till communion. It's like, yeah. it's a Do weekly it thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. What I'm thinking. I've been pretty silent, but uh, you're skimming through that KJV down there. I see. <laughs> it's definitely not KJV. Um, <laughs> the Lord's Bible. I'm not roasting God's word, but it's not KJV. <laughs> uh, that's also not only God's word. That's correct. Uh, anyways, but um, no, just First Corinthians three. We're talking about this, and it's been my, my personal reading. Um, but I, I remembered Paul's letter, and it's kind of funny. Three verse, kind of, kind of middle of it, but verse eighteen and to the end, which is not much, but verse eighteen. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, mm. as the scriptures say. He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. Mm. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. Mm-hmm. So don't boast about following a particular human leader. Yeah. For everything belongs to you. He's talking to Christians. Yep. Everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death mm-hmm. or the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's good stuff. I think that that's a that's a reflective you know moment or or time where to say, listen, it's not about our own abilities. It's not about our own quote-unquote wisdom like if we're operating out of our own <laughs> our own ability in that it's 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 foolish you know it, it just is yeah i think and again so like how do we translate this to you the listener and i would say that i mean look at your job um look at your parenting um look at where what where the things that have gotten you to where you are today um, is it because the Lord has been gracious and good to you, or is it because you've worked at it and you worked hard for it? Uh, and have you have you not loved Him? Like for example, like and this is why this is really hard in our culture. It's just it just really is. 
um, when you think, you, you don't think from the perspective of the world you live in because you haven't seen, most of us haven't gone around and seen the world that we live in. You just know your community, where you were raised, and kind of the culture we live in, right? Mm. So when you think about yourself, you're not comparing yourself to the world. But here's the reality. Everybody listening to this right now, just the fact that you're listening to this right now, you're a part of the richest per, uh, people in the world. Mm. Now, you don't think yourself rich because you're like, well, I don't have a million dollars. I don't have a billion dollars. I don't drive this car. I don't have this house. And da 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 da. But I can go and show you people that can't afford a twelve dollar monthly rent of a home that they have. Can't afford it. Okay. So you sit here and you think about that. You have been given gifts and abilities and strengths, and by the graces, by the grace and the blessings and the mercy of God, you have been born in one of the richest countries in the world. And you are where you are because God has given you the ability to be, in a sense, quote-unquote, where you are. So have you blessed God in that way? Like, uh, have you glorified Him? Have you worshipped Him? Have you honored Him because of that? Or have you blamed Him because you don't have more, you don't have something else? And then and also think about, like, well, I also have what I have because, well, I worked for it. I earned it. I went to school for it. I I put in years of experience to get where I'm at to this day. Well, the funny thing is, is in Deuteronomy, it tells us that even that, even the gifts and the strengths that we've been given are because God has allowed it and has given it to you and mm-hmm. can take it away at a moment's notice. Yeah, that's true. And so that's the key is understanding, do we live off of our strengths and our gifts to say, yeah, I've done the work? Or have we said, Father, thank you. Even even in worldly standards, uh, in the culture that I live in, I don't feel like I have a lot, but I know I'm blessed because I've had three meals today. Um, I can I can literally wear a new pair of clothes for two or three weeks straight if I wanted to, without doing any laundry. Now, it may not be my favorite thing, but I have <laughs> Might enough... Might not match. Uh, yeah, Might but I have match. enough clothes I could do that. You know, I have how many pairs of shoes? My kids have health care. I have health care. It may cost, it cost money that I want to spend, but I have it. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have water that I can turn on in my house for free, quote-unquote, Right, because you pay for it a little bit, but you can still turn it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have electric, I have heat in the winter, and I have air conditioning in the summer. That's all because of God's blessings and gifts for us. So to turn around and then withhold those gifts from the body of Christ, to hold those blessings, to hold that generosity from the body of Christ and from the kingdom of God, is to say, look what I've done. Instead of, wow, God, thank you so much. Yeah. Here. Mm-hmm. How do you want me to use this more? Yeah, well, it's, I think it's that it's the idea of like what we have is ours Yeah. versus what we have is, again, it's provision. And mm-hmm. if it's provision, then we are also to provide. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, it, if it's provision for us, then we're also to provide for others. Yeah. Because if it's... <laughs> If it's just ours, if we selfishly view it as ours, well, then, yeah, that makes sense. It's just all about you. Mm -hmm. But if it's not what you have done, Mm -hmm. that changes the whole way you look at everything that you have. Mm -hmm. Like, if you look at 
if you look at man, I have these, and I'll just be honest, I have sixty pairs of shoes. I'm straight up. You have sixty. Sixty pairs, easily. Sixty <laughs> pairs of shoes. I'm not even gonna lie. I'll put myself on blast now. Now, most of those I haven't bought in the last year or two. Sure, know? sure. But like I've accumulated them, and most of the reason I have that many is because I have so many, and after you circulate so many, you don't wear through them. But anyways, the point is that is crazy. Yeah, the point that I'm. I want to see a picture though, of that. Is most of them are still at home? Actually, oh, okay. I don't even have them here. But um, the the point that I'm getting at for that though is I had to make a switch in my perspective of those to say that if I have these and I view these, and, and I used to hot hold them at such a high esteem, I used to try to keep up with the whole shoe craze and stuff, and it is a whole thing. But, like, if I try to keep up with that and that's what I'm about and I don't view these things as what they are, which is just stuff, it's things that I've I've been able to get or I've been blessed to have or, or the excess, if I don't view that and I don't say um, I don't have to have these, I can give these away, Yeah. then – then that's that's what I've tried to shift to to say I don't have to have these I can give and I have I, I've done that yeah um, but it's to say that if I own something that I'm not willing to part with I shouldn't own it yeah and so I've had to change that because for a long time it wasn't that way but I've had to come to the point now I'm not saying go out and it's okay to have tons of excess but mm-hmm. I've had to learn that with the excess I have to be okay with giving it mm-hmm. meaning that if I have it and I like this pair of shoes that I'm wearing and some kid compliments him he doesn't have shoes. Or even if he does have shoes yeah. and he, he has two pairs and he wants away. them, okay, you can have them. Yeah, you know that's the kind of thing like starting to live that way rather than again, it's not about hands open. Yeah, it's not about always be like you can't have anything. Mm-hmm. But if you own it and it's about you and it's like, oh, yeah. well, I love these shoes. I'm the, I can't give them up. Yeah, I mean gotta, that's the truth. The more that like the the more your gift becomes important, um, and the more stuff you have, the the tighter your fists shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it's just about getting more, yeah. Rather than saying, "Oh, you know, yeah, these are cool, but man, if you need them, you want them, here you go." Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. What gifts do you have that helped you get to where you are? Strengths too. You can say that. What strengths do you have that helped mm. you get to where you are? What do you think those are for yeah, you? This is my least favorite part of every interview. Talk about yourself. Tell me about your. Th- give me three strengths <laughs> and give me three yeah, weaknesses. I, I <laughs> hate stuff like that. I. Uh, it's hard for me to think of. Very many. Um, I, I mean, I think that, I think that, um, well, I just know that I'm very blessed. Um, I think people can, can pe- pe- people are comfortable around me and people can talk to me really, really simply. I don't have to say a lot of words and people share their life story with me. Yeah. You know, I've got one of those personalities and demeanors that's just like, if I just sit here and close my mouth, somebody else is going to talk and they're going to tell me their deepest, darkest secrets. And then that turns into a relationship that turns into a friendship. That's why I wanted to be a counselor for so long. Like, it's just like, I think I don't know how to articulate that into a, a gift and how it got me here, but like working for a church, you know, that's, that's that's been a dream come true of mine, a dream that I never knew I wanted. So I sit here thinking about, like, for myself, um, I want to, like, Liz and I, we've worked really hard to live um, vulnerable lives. Sometimes it gets us in trouble. Um, but we know that, like, I can, we can both come off really confident. But sometimes because of that, it's, there's probably some kinds of insecurity or I don't know what I'm doing. And, but, it, but I want to make sure I <laughs> come across like I know what I'm doing. And, but at the same time, I'll tell people, 
I don't know what I'm doing. Like I, you know, this is my first time being a lead pastor. I hope this is the only time I'm a lead pastor, to be honest with you. But I mean, there's still times I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I know what I'm doing. And and I look at others and I think, man, they they have it together. And I'm sure I would hopefully think like, yeah, they don't either. Um, and we're trusting the spirit on that. We're trusting our staff. You know, we're trusting that God's doing what we're going to do. And so um, I think for me, though, like, again, to get to where I'm at is just trusting, being confident, um, um, trying to live my life with my hands open, knowing at times it's going to hurt me. Um, but I think the more that I do that, the more others will do that. And I think that's why people, in a sense, will quote unquote follow me. Um, that, and I'm not saying that from an arrogant standpoint. You know, I'm just trying to say like that's the reason that like I feel like that's why God calls us to ministry is because we're going to lead people to Him, and and so I think that's how I've gotten to where I am today is just because I'm just trying to be authentic, honest as I possibly can, and help people see Jesus along the way. You know, and so. But that also means like there's areas I'm not good at, and there's areas that I'm not very, um, I'm not strong in at all, and like I'm not a great shepherd, even though I know I hold the title pastor, I'm not a great shepherd. Um, Liz is a good shepherd. Um, she cares about the hearts of people way more than I do. I struggle with mercy, and um, but I like to I like to be passionate and I like to get people excited about things. So especially Jesus. So I think that's how I got to where I am, but hmm. what about you? Um, yeah, I would, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was never my goal to do what I do. So I guess I'm not hundred percent sure. I, I guess overall, but yeah, like, I so would, like yeah. Just think about what are the strengths that helped you that you think that got you to where you're like, you're going to be a, <clears throat> an owner or whatever that's called. Yeah. An owner operator. Yeah. You know, how would, but it got you here, so something then. Yeah. Well, leadership probably. Yeah, I would say, I would I would say, kind of being like, um, I feel like someone of the people. I feel like I'm a guy of the people. Like I feel like uh, I lead from within it. You know, I don't lead from like this untouchable realm yeah. of things. So I feel like I feel like I've always tried to be that kind of a person, like the trench, like the trench worker. Um, and and just be able to almost relate in the sense that it's like, yep, I totally understand. I'm leading you while I'm in it with you, and and you can see that and you can feel that and experience that. So I'd say that's probably that's probably a strength. It feels like I'm I'm not just like a talking point, yeah, but or like a data point, but I I feel like I'm I'm leading in with that. I think belief as well. I think that's like a I think that's a strength. I mean, my strength finders if anyone's familiar with that would tell me that that's actually my number one strength. Um, it's just the ability to believe and persevere and, and see those things, um, come to fruition, have hope that it will. So I think that's probably another thing that's really kind of put in the fact that I'm here and I'm able to, I guess, see things happen. It's cause I just believe that it will believe that God's good and believe that he'll, he'll be at work and move and do the things that he wants to do. So, yeah, that's I would good. say I would say that's that's a couple of things that. Did you guys ever have a time in your career life that you failed? 
Um, maybe you counted too much on your abilities or um, it doesn't have to mean you're fired, but like maybe something didn't go well or your integrity was challenged. Um, like how did it happen? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have plenty of failures. I'm trying to think of a, like a really, really big one. So like I'll, I can't give you an example of one and you can think about it. So like I was, I've been fired twice, all right? And I hate being fired. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what, I would rather be fired than fire people. I just, it's the worst. And both, both scenarios are the absolute worst. Um, but I can remember that I got a job um, being a child sponsorship director. And I think the reason they hired me was because I was a part of another, another kind of, uh, a lot more churches than what they were already accustomed with, you know? So it, it was going to open up the opportunity to get more churches involved. I think that's really the reason they hired me. Anyways, uh, I built great relationships, but because I didn't get along with the um, executive director, uh, and the reason I... And I think the reason I didn't get along with it is because, A, I wasn't a missionary. Every single director on that in that ministry were all missionaries at one point. I was the only pastor. Um, and the other one was um, um, <laughs> uh, he was not a good leader. Uh, and, of course, I didn't know that at the time, but he wasn't a good leader. And later on, they kind of pushed him out into early retirement, which is – but I was still one of the reasons why, you know, I was – during that guinea pig time, I was let go. And, um, and I think one of my struggles was, is I was, I'm not good at, I don't know what the word, playing the game. I'm not good at, um, uh, you're not a politician. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and, and well, I, I, mean, I all like I did was so. I asked questions <laughs> and I, again, and he, and he actually told me I had a critical spirit and I do too. And I, but I, but I, I think critical is defined by the person who feels your criticism. Mm. And it's not necessarily that um, I have a critical spirit, but I want to make sure that if there are things I don't know, I'm going to ask questions. Like, I'm, I'm the kid, you know, that's going to stand in the classes. Anybody have any questions? Mm-hmm. And everybody has this question on their mind, and nobody's going to raise their hands because they want to be the idiot. I'm the idiot. You know, I'm like, okay, listen, I have a silly question. Everybody's like, oh, I'm so glad you answered that question. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's hard for people to do, but I think that's just because I, we wanted to live out humility. I think God's been building that from the very beginning. Anyways, so one of my strengths in asking questions also got me fired. And uh, in fact, I can still tell you the day that I was doing it. We, we had a, th- this company came in and they were helping us restructure. They were, we, I mean, it was really cool. I had only been here for about a month at this point. They were restructuring the whole thing on purpose because they're going to be getting to find a new director eventually. And, um, and he said, everybody has to give a question. I, I don't know much about this yet, you know? And so we go around the room. They're like, okay, Nate. And I go, my first thing was, guys, I, go, I am so sorry. I've only been here a month. He's like, but you being in here a month is fresh eyes and fresh things. So obviously, you probably do have some questions or things. What what would that be? Okay, I thought I was being really kind and easy and gentle because I didn't want to come across as arrogant or mm-hmm. anything like that. So I said, okay, well, so here's two of my questions. Right after that morning meeting, he pulled me into an office by himself and asked me why I had such a critical spirit. And I was dumbfounded. Number one, because I was forced 
to say a question. Mm-hmm. And number two, I didn't think that had anything to do with being critical. It had everything to do with just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that began the process of wow. being let go. And two months later, up. I was fired. Oh, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. So anyways. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, that's kind of a failure, I guess, um, on my end. and I guess it's a failure depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say failure for me is probably like I've shared a little bit about it, but my time at Chick-fil-A was good. But, you know, a lot of people, whatever, make whatever jokes you want. I care about it a lot. But um, I, I mean – I did a lot more than just made chicken sandwiches. So it's like the sense of like I cared very deeply about people and yeah. and that's what we did. I mean, we we used chicken to care for our community. I mean, genuinely that was that was really our, our goal. I know it sounds super dumb, but it really was. I mean, we we weren't just about serving a good chicken sandwich, even though they're the best. But um, the idea is that I failed, I think, in a sense a lot of uh, I didn't really I didn't really, I think, uh, value people well all the time. Like I think, I think that I, I, I overlooked people as people. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a failure, a failure in my time of leading. Because I mean, I was responsible for. I mean, we had a, about 120 on staff. Probably responsible for at least about half, half of that. Because I mean, I was second shift. I was second shift operations director. So. It was, yeah, like basically half. And there were times, and, and my, my shift was all the young people. So that was my training my training ground, I guess, for doing student ministry. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so like I, I just think I didn't lead. I didn't always lead people in the sense that I saw them, in the sense that I yeah, I was in the trenches with them, but it also made me feel like I was highly superior in a lot of ways and a lot of times and like that they were just dumb sometimes and – and I just was like short, so I think I think a failure for me was probably not um, serving like I should have been. Like I think that I was serving, but I think it was out of pride. It wasn't out of it wasn't out of um, you know trying to be humble. Mm-hmm. I think, so that was a fail. A fail for me was was would be to to say that I I just yeah. It was not. It was not always good. Like I think I was good. I think I was. I think I was well loved. But I think that I was. I was pretty hard on people sometimes. Just didn't see them as as who they were. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, when I worked at it was a youth care facility where a lot of the students that were there they were court ordered. Okay, and they and they they lived there. They ate there. They went to school there. They did not leave the building. It was a lockdown style facility and it had six different floors and every floor had to have a certain number of staff on there. Mm-hmm. They were they were called youth care specialists because everyone that was there was ages 11 to 17. It could have been for a wide variety of reasons, okay, high acuity, self-harmers, drug and alcohol abuse, sex trafficking, delinquency. It, do, it didn't matter. It was just a, all sort of a mismodge-podge of things. Court ordered... The rejects. <laughs> No, no. Well, <laughs> from the world standards, you know. Like, well, okay, okay. I guess from the world standards, they had nowhere else to go. Yeah. You know, people didn't want them. Well, I went in there wanting to be just like this hero to mm-hmm. these kids, you know. And, like, I developed relationships with these kids. And um, 
you know, they tried to put me on the boys' units, and that didn't work out. So then they put me on all the girls' units, and then, like, these were just, like, like just like my kids, kind of, you know? Like, it was just it was just a really, really cool experience, and it developed some great relationships and friendships. But also, too, uh, I was a mentor to them. But my failure was there was very, very strict rules that you had to have to work there about... Um, you know, military style rigidity to your day. So like wake up at a certain time, make your bed, do this, do this, walk down to breakfast, single file, quiet in line, walkie talkie radio stuff, lock down units, you know, don't leave the floor unless you're in ratio, all sorts of things. Well, I was the day shift and I developed such a heart for these kids and I wanted to be their friend so bad that I didn't enforce any rules. Oh boy! And um, ah, it like made Nick. my days really great. It made my days great. <laughs> I bet these kids loved me. It made my job fulfilling. I felt like I was actually loving on these kids that nobody else loved, and it made me feel great. But I would I get called into the to the the head person's I forget what their manager if they were the manager or CEO or whoever. But I got called in their office multiple times. Like Nick. You can't be these kids as friends, mm-hmm. okay? They need strict people in their life. They have this going on, this going on, this, 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 this going on. You are constantly not enforcing rules. You are making it harder for when you leave, other staff come on and try to enforce the rules, and none of the kids listen. And I got I got in trouble quite a bit, you know, to the point where one one conversation was your job is on the line, sort of a thing. And I just hated that so much because mm-hmm. I I. I just cared far more for the kids than anything about those dumb rules. And so the failure was that I was put in the position where I needed to be a guide and a leader and a mentor to them, but I wanted to be their friend instead. Yeah. So. Yeah. So do you guys have any, do you have any advice that you want to give towards people with understanding your gifts at the same time, the importance of your character? Mm-hmm. I think the same thing that we've been talking about. Yeah. I think the first thing you got to just just understand that your gift does not come from you, no matter how hard you worked. It does not come from you. And I really liked what you said, that it can be taken away like that. Mm-hmm. And I think once you realize that, once you really deeply accept that, then you'll have, one, more appreciation for your gift. Yeah. You know, And two, you'll want to share that gift yeah. in some way, hopefully with the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Abram? Yeah. Um, Just a piece of advice yep. for gifts and their character. Yeah. Character is tough. Uh, I've always prided myself on being a man of great character, but I think the more I, the more that Jesus reveals about myself, I think the more he makes me realize my character is actually not that good. Mm-hmm. But... Um, so I guess with that note, uh, wrestle wrestle with the truth about yourself. Um, your character will never improve unless you're honest. And so you got to get real with God. You got to get real with yourself, real with others. Um, that's how your character improves. Your character doesn't improve if you don't do those things. So, mm-hmm. so get real. Let God's word pierce you. <laughs> it does. If you're actually in it, that's why a lot of people don't read it. Yeah. Um, read it. Let it hurt you. Yep. It will. And, and and work with it. But the cool thing is <laughs> Jesus doesn't just leave you with the truth. Uh, he follows it up with grace and, and helps you uh, do the things that he's asked you just to do. So, yeah, for character, you got you to know him. 
to follow him. So so do that. Work with it with him. He'll, he'll work with you on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'd say as far as the gift, yeah. Uh, don't ever – I actually heard a, a, a um, snippet recently that of a pastor. He was using this in his sermon. Um but he was talking about the fact that he would he would go actually to speaking engagement because he was a, he was a gifted speaker. He'd go to speaking engagements. Um, he had a newborn or like a toddler daughter, and he wanted her to not associate him leaving as bad. Uh, so he would come home with a surprise for her every time. He said within three weeks that she would run straight past him and go looking in his bag, and if he didn't have something, she'd say, "Dad." Where's my special gift? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And he said it took her three weeks to run right past the giver and care only about the gift. Oh, yeah. And so what I would say, don't be the person that runs right past the giver and just loves the gift. Because I say that because I've dealt with the same thing. Um, even in my time here, it's really easy to 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 do well at something and be like, man, I'm cool. I'm awesome. Like, I think that I, I think that I make some cool stuff. Or I say some cool things. It's really easy to, to start making it about you, but I think don't run past the giver, and yeah. and, and and don't let your don't let your gift become more important than the giver. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. I Romans five says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character, which we've already talked about this in the series. Um, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. And I think that's the key, is that your character, don't sacrifice character for your gift. Uh, don't, care, sacrifice, don't sacrifice your character for the strengths that you have and the abilities that you have. Yeah, um, yeah you, you know, if it, you have an opportunity to get a promotion... Don't sacrifice your character to get the promotion, right? And let's say they give it to somebody else because you didn't sacrifice your character. That's fine. That doesn't mean that you won't get it someday. Hmm. But you will sleep better at night knowing that your faith is in Christ and Christ alone and that your hope is in your salvation in Christ alone, not in the job that you have that will eventually go away or you'll retire from. And living in the culture we have now, you're going to probably not even be in that job in five years anyways. So... That's the thing is don't sacrifice character for um, your strength, that promotion, that job, um, cheating on whatever it is um, for a moment of satisfaction, you know, and that's things I have to remind myself all the time as well. So that's the whole point of this. The other thing is that don't depend on your gift because you may not always have it. That strength, you may not always have it. Hold true to Jesus, hold true to his character, hold true to your character in him, and and then use your gift and strength and ability to better the body of Christ, to better the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this one was all about, um, which was good. So, mm-hmm. so next week we get into uh, another one. It's called Emotional Fuel. Emotional Emo Fuel. fuel. <laughs> Emotional Fuel. Yeah, it's good. I think this is going to be a good one for people. I think it's going to be a struggle, though, for most of us, most Christians, because we don't do what we're going to talk about this coming week. And hopefully we will, but that depends on each person. But anyways. Jeez, and good grief. It's like then February's over. March, Easter's coming, and then 
our next series. Sunday's coming. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, we want to thank you guys for tuning in on today's episode of Beyond the Row. If you guys have any questions about today's content, you can reach out to us via email, Abe, Nate, or Nick at churchintheab.com. We'd love to hear from you guys, and let us know what you think about the content that we put out each week. If there's something you need clarification on, just hit us up, and have a blessed week.